We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land on which we are recording today. We would also like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who are listening today. It all started 10 years ago in my kitchen. I asked my family what about energy ratings, and after a short pause, it was yes, yes, and yes. Hi, my name's Jonathan Tavella, founder of Freighter Consulting Services, director of Sustainability Tech Partners, and co-host of this podcast, which we've aptly named Sustainable. It's a series of episodes which aims to equip you, the listener, with the knowledge I've gathered on my journey. We'll be speaking with industry leaders that have a pivotal role in the sustainability movement. It's all about joining the dots for you. Joining the dots indeed. And as you've just heard, Jonathan has a wealth of experience under his belt when it comes to sustainability and the building industry. Me, not so much. Hi, I'm Neary Tai and I'll be the co-host on this podcast. Jonathan, my friend, has roped me along and hopefully we'll learn a thing or two on this sustainable journey. So if you're like me and want to build a dream home one day that's more environmentally friendly, hopefully by the end of this series, you'll be more informed and equipped to do so. This is Sustainable. So you're designing your home and you want to know how energy efficient it will be and whether it meets Australian building standards. There's an army of thermal assessors who can tell you exactly that, a team of experts who conduct energy ratings on homes. Jacob Edwards from Freighter Consulting Services is one of them. He joined us with some insider tips on how to keep up with this ever-evolving industry. G'day, Jacob. Hello, Neri. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on board. You are a thermal assessor. Tell us what, what's that all about? An energy rater or a thermal performance assessor um, is, they're the people that give you the six star or seven star energy ratings for your home. And if you were to kind of boil it down, what that means is we work out how much heating and cooling you use per year to keep your house at a reasonable temperature. And all of that data ends up giving you a star rating out of 10. Um, so six stars is currently the minimum and soon it's going to be moving up to seven stars. What sort of technology do you use to rate these homes? Oh, I love if I went to someone's home with a big utility belt and a bunch of cool Batman toys. But in reality, you it's all done remotely from a computer. So you just use the plans. Um, that are going to be used to build the house from and you, you take the information from those plans, you put it into software that's specifically designed to crunch the mass for you, do the thermodynamics and work out the heat flow and efficiency of that house in that location with those materials and at that orientation and that helps you work with that software to get the star rating and to work out what kind of specification is required to get to minimum compliance, which is six stars or seven stars. So you crunch all the numbers. So how do you fit into the whole design and building process? Do people sort of design a home and then they come to you guys or is it vice versa? That's a really good question. As things stand, in most cases, people engage the energy rater or or thermal performance assessor, which is two names for the same thing. People engage us quite late in the process. So normally the design is is finalised 
and they're just jumping through the last few hoops before they can get a building permit and get to site. So at that stage, there's not really much the thermal performance assessor can do other than, you know, up-spec, meaning, you know, more expensive windows or more insulation, which is, of course, also more expensive. If we are engaged at an earlier stage, there's a little bit more wiggle room for, you know, if you put this bedroom over there and swap it with the laundry, it's not going to cost you any more money, but actually it helps your star rating, it helps your energy efficiency. That's quite difficult to do in the later stages. So really get on board early on is what you're saying. Yeah. Because you guys can become quite involved in the whole design process, especially with all that information that you've got on hand. Yeah, I believe part of MPC 2022, or at least the energy efficiency aspects of this, is trying to encourage people to engage with their energy assessor earlier because as you're getting up to seven stars, it can become harder and much definitely more expensive to make your way out of a problem by just spending more money on on windows and insulation and materials to get yourself to minimum compliance. And so I, I think it is trying to nudge the industry in the direction of earlier engagement. I guess earlier engagement instead of last minute tick the box situation, do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think I've already had a, a few conversations with different architects who are thinking they're going to change their practices to engage earlier and be confident as they go through the process that they already know they're building an efficient home rather than at the very end you check and just hope this design is energy efficient. With the new NCC as you touched on in 2022 being released and that standard, that minimum standard going from six to seven, that only sounds like one star, but that one star could be extremely costly. It's good to hear that your clients are coming to you saying, hey, we want to get on the front foot with you to overcome that compliance issue and also do it in a way that saves their clients money, saves their own time, really. No point designing something that ends up in the bin. So Mm. is there any new regulations that are coming into play in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, there are there are definitely a few and there's one big one relevant to my job as an energy assessor and that is a whole of home assessment. It is actually separate from your star rating, but it'll probably be done by the same person that does your star rating and I think it will probably end up on the same certificate. So you'll have your seven star energy rating NATHERS certificate and then below that will be a whole of home score as well. When we're doing your six or seven star NATHERS certificate, what we're working out is actually very specific. It's just the heating and cooling required to keep the home at a comfortable temperature. The whole of home is something that they're tacking on top of that. That is going to take into consideration things like appliances. Do you have a a swimming pool? Is the swimming pool heated? Do you have solar panels? Do you have um, batteries? Is your cooktop gas or induction? And, And a whole swath of other factors, which they're now going to include to make it a more holistic regulatory compliance. And that is drawing people's attention, I guess, to these other factors outside of the slab, the wall, the windows, the insulation, the roof, and all these other building factors. It's more lifestyle factors. Yeah. So what have you uncovered so far about sort of what's good and what's bad in a whole-of-home assessment? So there are certainly things that the, the way that that software is designed, it's trying to push us in a certain direction. I think it's been brought in because it wants to get us on the right track towards net zero by 2050. Some things, for instance, like 
gas heating or gas cooking are more damaging to your rating than electrical or induction. An electric oven is going to rate much better in that software than a gas oven would. And I think the reason for that is that you can put solar panels on the roof and that becomes a renewable energy source for an electrical device, but you you can't put, you know, renewable gas production machine on your roof. So that's going to remain a finite resource. What are some other good or bad characteristics of a house that could make it more or less energy efficient? Gosh, there's a lot. I mean, so anyone who's designing a house for themselves or, or for their clients, I would really just encourage to look at passive design principles. But there's, there's quite a few things to consider. The orientation is very important, the length of your eaves, building materials, having thermal mass on the inside. You know, the orientation of your rooms themselves can be quite important, meaning like having your living area to the north is something people have often heard of. Having your garage to the west, for instance, and your bedrooms on the east, that's quite beneficial and is not, you know, so commonly mentioned. Having living areas to the north, but then very long uh, verandas, which completely block off all the sun to the large windows going into your living area. That's something I see a lot and our clients generally think they've done well because they've put their living area to the north, but then they've completely negated the benefit of those northern windows. It also changes depending on what climate you're in as well. So I, I think passive design principles is what I would suggest your listeners Google if they're trying to think of an energy-efficient household for themselves. With the whole of homes, you said the Nathurs is sort of a zero to 10 rating by way of stars. What's the whole of home assessment? Is it a number? Is it just a tick box saying you pass or fail? It'll, It'll be a score out of 100. Exactly what the number needs to be, I'm not sure about yet. Either you're completely net zero, meaning the panels on your roof generate as much electricity as you're expected to use, or it can be a budget, which will be a percentage of that. You've hit 70% energy production compared to your energy consumption, and that they've considered that to be an acceptable budget. Yeah. So it's, it'll, it'll be a number out of 100, but exactly what's required for each home may vary. And the whole of home assessment also incorporates the NAVIS results as well? Yeah, that's right. So you'll complete the energy rating, same as you would normally, and then the whole of home assessment will draw from that information. So like, for instance, it will assume how many laptops are going to be in this house on average. It will use how many bedrooms were in your NatHERS model in order to generate those assumptions. So yeah, you need to do the, the modeling work first, the whole of home sort of tacked on top. Or another way to think about it would be that your energy rating, NatHERS score, affects your whole of home, but your whole of home doesn't affect your your NATHERS score. It's chronologically, it goes seven stars and then whole of home afterwards. Just as a takeaway for the listeners, they're sort of going down that path of looking at either buying an existing home and seeing how thermally efficient it is or looking at building something or designing and building something. What tips would you give them to consider? Look, I think if you can find an architect who knows about this, I mean, if you're buying an existing one, then you could certainly engage an energy rater instead to model the house. Or if you're building a new house, finding an architect who knows about it. And if you don't want to go through an architect, that's okay. Just insist on engaging with an energy rater early to make sure and check your design and let you know as you're going through early enough in the process that you can still make changes without it being too costly. Jacob, thanks, thanks for your time. Jacob. Oh, not at all. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening to Sustain a Bible. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Click on the links for more information on the topics we've discussed today. Thank you.